0: This morning we're turning to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And in these verses we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ being held out to us as the means through which we have living hope and an eternal inheritance. That's glorious hope for us on an Easter morning. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that on this Easter morning, we celebrate as a people who know the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that the things that we reflect on and read in your scripture this morning are things that are secured for us by the already completed work of Jesus Christ in his gospel, that we have living hope because Christ is alive. Lord, we thank you for these things. We pray that you would work by your word this morning among all the people. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning begins with these words Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise is the subject of our passage this morning. And how appropriate for us on this Easter morning, particularly on this Easter morning in which there's so much hardship and suffering throughout the world, that we begin by remembering blessing and praise in the name of our God and the Father of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you why Peter launches so quickly in this passage into this exalted blessing. Look at verse 1 with me. He begins, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and then he says, To those who are elect exiles. To the elect exiles of the dispersion. A few years back, here at Cross Point Coast, we spent an entire series walking through 1 Peter. There is, in the context of 1 Peter, a persecution, a sort of social persecution that was rising up against the Christians throughout a variety of the places to which the church had been dispersed. The church was suffering. The church was dispersed from place to place, scattered. They were struggling even to gather with one another in the midst of this persecution. And yet, they were a people of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were a people of God's mercy. They were a people of rebirth, and they were a people of resurrection. And so Peter cannot help but burst into a blessing and and a praise as he considers the hope that is for this persecuted people through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what the Apostle Peter does in our passage this morning is he seeks to increase the joy of the scattered, dispersed sufferers by increasing their knowledge of the salvation that has been granted and guarded for them in Jesus Christ. Really, this morning, that's my prayer for you as well. We give thanks this morning that we experience so very little of persecution. But at this time, there is a great deal of suffering. May the Lord increase and strengthen our joy by a knowledge of the salvation that we have in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why the passage begins with blessed. It's so appropriate that we would begin here because the Lord God is blessed for providing so great a salvation. Now this morning, if you'll look with me, in verse 3, it continues in this way. After the blessing, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it continues, according to his great mercy. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. This all is according to his great mercy. That's how the sentence begins, and that is the context of the whole of salvation, the context, the situation of salvation takes place in the context of the character of God's mercy. It is the great work of God to accomplish new birth. And all that that means for us, all of that great work is in the context of his great mercy. And you want to know what mercy looks like? It looks like the extent of his grace and kindness toward us. His mercy that is new every morning. It looks like, according to our passage this morning, it looks like new birth. It looks like living hope and an eternal inheritance. Now, for the context of our passage is mercy. We have a substance of our passage and it's found really in the flow of the passage. I want you to look at it carefully with me. I hope you have your Bibles open with me this morning so you can see it in the scripture text and follow along with me. The passage begins according to his great mercy. Like I said, that's the circumstance of the salvation that is discussed. According to his great mercy, he has caused us. Notice that God is the actor. He is the one doing the work. It's according to his mercy that he has done a work. What has he caused? Well, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. This is the result. This is the result of the work of God, all in the circumstance of his mercy. That he has caused us to be born again. This is the work of God in the context of the character of God. The implication or the result is to be born again of God. Now, if you look at the passage, how it continues. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and two, an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So the result of the fact that God has caused new birth is twofold. He has caused a living hope, and he has caused an inheritance. These two great results or implications of the new birth, living hope and inheritance. So mercy is why he did it. Mercy is why God did the work that brings about a new birth that has the implications of a living hope and an inheritance. But tucked in between those implications of new birth, tucked in between those two statements, he tells us how he did it. He tells us that it is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to focus this morning, on this Easter morning, on the fact that all of this, this new birth, this new birth that secures for us a living hope and an eternal inheritance is all through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. Why is the hope alive? Why is it a living hope? Well, it's not just a hope of life. It is a living hope because Jesus is alive and Jesus is our hope. Therefore, our hope is a living hope. As long as Jesus is alive, as long as he reigns on the throne of heaven, Our hope is secure and alive. No matter the circumstance, no matter the trial or the suffering, this is true. Jesus is alive. Therefore, this is true. We have a living hope. Now, consider just a few verses later in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says this. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, the living, abiding word of God. Now remember that Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus himself is imperishable. Not even death could kill him. Not only is Jesus The word which is imperishable, he's also the word that takes root within the believer, springing to life and granting new birth. New birth is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus, through the resurrection, that God brings about the inheritance that is described in verse 4. Both the living hope and the inheritance. The inheritance that's described there in verse 4 is difficult to describe. We don't know anything else in all of the universe that fits this description. We live situated in the circumstance of entropy. Everything is decaying. Everything is losing power and strength. Slowly, at times, or quickly, everything is falling apart. And that's why when we read the words imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, it's hard for us to fathom. I mean, think of something that perishes. It shouldn't be too difficult. The salvation, the inheritance that we have in Christ is better. Think of something that is defiled. The inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ is better. Think of something that fades. The inheritance that we have is better. Imperishable? 1 Corinthians 9.25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, a crown that won't last, but we, an imperishable. An athlete, when he runs, he suffers. He suffers various trials, all for a perishable crown. But when you and I wake up early in the morning again to read the Bible before our children or our household are awake, we are seeking after an imperishable crown. Undefiled, an inheritance that is completely free from the mess that we see touching every other thing that we possess. Unfading, First Peter chapter 5, verse 4, just later in this very letter. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. It's unlike any other gift or any other entertainment that we know, which loses its appeal after just a few uses. How many of the gifts that we've received for our birthdays or at Christmas we lose interest in in a matter of months, it certainly doesn't even make it until the next year. But the glory of our inheritance is forever, unfading. I find that literally impossible to imagine. I don't know what that's like. But the God who has prepared it for us is the one who has promised us it is so. To understand this inheritance, it has to be contrasted with the inheritance that we have apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ and faith in Him. What is our old inheritance before Christ? The well, scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death. We've stacked up and stored away an inheritance for ourselves. It's our own work, it's our own labor, and it's deserving of its own wage. And the wage is death. And we've stored it up, set it aside, and that's our inheritance. What we have stored up for ourselves. Please realize that apart from faith in Christ, all of our labor is for an an, an alternative inheritance. Consider what sacrifices you have made to grasp at something that you thought would save you. And then look and consider your life apart from faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And remember that the posture of God toward rebellion is wrath. That's the circumstance of rebellion is the wrath of God. The old crown, the old inheritance is worse than finite. It's worse than fading, it's death itself. But the inheritance and reward that has been purchased and prepared for us through the resurrection of Jesus is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. We would do well to lay down our striving for self-fulfillment, self-preservation, sinful rebellion, and take up faith in the God who has saved us. Now, I want to read our passage again this morning. See if you can follow along with the flow of the thought. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and And unfading, kept in heaven for you. For you. Now, here's the great gift of the scriptures it does this over and over. It gives us more information. It's not just for you, it tells us who you are, who we are who have received so great a salvation. Who are you? Well, the passage continues. For you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Who are you? We find out who we are in Christ by God's revelation, not through self discovery, not through self definition and identification. We find out who we are in Christ because he has revealed it to us. And here he tells us who you are in Christ. You who. You are a people guarded by God's power. Friends, that is a glorious identity. This is who we are in Christ. You who are being guarded by God's power. Through faith for salvation. Through faith. Well, interestingly, there we are backed to the cross and resurrection again. It is through faith, that is, through faith we are united to Jesus in his death and resurrection and therefore become a people guarded by God's power. Note this, though. Look at the passage carefully. Don't miss it. You are not... Guarded by faith. It's not what it says. It says you are guarded by God's power. What a relief. The guarantee of our inheritance is not based upon your power to maintain some arbitrary faith status quo. We are guarded by God. And it is by faith that we are united to God through Jesus Christ. The role of faith is to unite you and I to the life-giving new birth of the resurrection and being united to him in faith. We are guarded by God. We are guarded for a salvation ready to be revealed. Listen, it's ready. It's finished. Salvation is accomplished. It's just not yet revealed we have been we have seen jesus resurrection we even know the power of rebirth but we've not yet received immortal bodies or our eternal inheritance though it is set aside for us secured for us how do we know how do we know we have this inheritance well we know because jesus was raised from the dead It's through faith in the person and work of Jesus that we know that we are kept by God because Jesus was raised from the dead. He has secured for us life and an inheritance. That's why verse six begins right where it should. In this, you rejoice. In the context of the mercy of God, God has caused us to be born again. This new birth secures for us a living hope and, and, and an internal inheritance. All of this is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This means that our identity is as a people of God, guarded by God for a salvation already prepared for us by God. Friends, this morning on Easter morning, the Apostle Peter, in recording this scripture for us, increases the joy of scattered sufferers by increasing our knowledge of the salvation that has been granted and guarded through the resurrection of Jesus Christ for us. I hope that on this Easter morning, you too have increased in the knowledge of the salvation that has been prepared for you. I pray that you would take hold of this mercy and salvation through faith this morning. If you're here this morning because you're looking for answers to difficult questions and a way through a hard season of life like so many of us are, I want you to know that living hope is found through the resurrection of Jesus Christ alone, the very resurrection that we celebrate this morning. I call you to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. The Jesus who died on the cross in your place that you would be forgiven of sin and who rose from the dead that you would be given eternal life, literally an eternal inheritance kept for you by God. And for those of you who have already believed, I would ask you, what are you doing to know to be comforted by and strengthened in the great mercy of God. How can you stand firm in a faith that you don't seek to know the object of your faith? I call all of us to seek the Lord in his word, to seek the Lord in prayer and in the community of the brothers and sisters that we have in the faith. And may the Lord be blessed. Let may He be praised in the midst of His people. May He be praised as we rejoice in so great a salvation and so great a risen Savior this morning. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We honor you who are God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is Jesus. Lord, we worship you and, and we do so not simply in memorial of you. Lord, we worship you because today you are alive. You hear the praise of your people this morning scattered about this earth and this morning, even in our Congregations scattered in all of our homes, you hear our praise because you are alive on your throne, the risen Lord. And Lord, we rejoice in hope this morning in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our fears. Lord, we rejoice with great joy because our hope has been granted and guarded by the God who is alive. We praise you this morning. We pray, we cry out to you in faith for the forgiveness of sin. We cry out to you in faith for the hope that we have of everlasting life. Lord, we rejoice that you have prepared for us an eternal inheritance. We pray all of these things in that great name, in the name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.